Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This edition of the Wrestling Perspective Podcast is presented to you by Blue Chew. Go to BlueChew.com. Use the promo code PERSPECTIVE. Keep the show going. As well as Fightful.com. Make sure you go over to Fightful right now. They are doing some amazing things. They've been breaking news for the last three years now and launched a premium service. Go to Fightful Select. Brings you dozens of podcasts each month from 205 Live to NXT, NXT UK, Impact, AEW, Ring of Honor, New Japan, AEW, Q&A shows, alternative and dark match commentary, and breaking news, Fightful.com. Now, The Wrestling Perspective with myself, Dennis Farrell, and Eli Drake. That is just a fact of life. Time for the Wrestling Perspective, episode number two, season two. Myself, Dennis Farrell, and sitting in the big chair with that million-dollar tan, Eli Drake. What's up, bud? Well, I wish I had a million-dollar tan right now. I feel like I'm looking pretty white, but who knows? Now, or wait, wait. Before we get into this, I, I, I guess I'll ask you this. Are you a natural tan guy? Do you throw the tan lotion on? What, what's an Eli Drake tan kind of go with? Uh, you know, I was uh, I was a bed tanner for a while, and then in 2014, I got a little. Uh, uh, oddly enough, I, I had a little bump on my head, and I was like, "Well, I'll go to a dermatologist and get this checked out." Um, they ended up looking at that and saying it was fine. They were like, "Well, do you want us to do a, a full body scan?" And I was like, "Well, these are two very attractive ladies, so yeah, I'll let them go ahead and do a full body scan." Uh, and so they did. But they ended up finding a couple spots that they said were kind of concerning. So they did a little check on it and did like a little – I don't even know what you – it wasn't quite a biopsy, but they did like some scrapes. Uh, And it was kind of like they said it was showing potential precancerous cells. I was like, oh, boy. Uh, So they wanted to do another check and all this stuff, whatever. Um, So it ended up – I was clear and good. But that was enough for me to just be like, all right, I'm just going to go sprays for now on. Wow. I didn't even know that. I 
I mean, it, it's actually, I forget it half the time, but yeah, that was, that was, uh, I think just after I got released from WWE, actually, I was still living in Orlando at the time. Oh, interest. Let's, let's start this week with a bunch of Q and A's. Cause I want to knock these out. We've got one major thing to talk about, but first, before we start, I do want to say thanks to Eric Kent, who did our new logo. I sent it over to you. You, you. He made you look a little gingerish, which ginger Eli Drake isn't so bad. I mean, it sounds tasty, but uh, no, I, I, uh, I mean, there's a little bit of ginger in my beard, I guess. I have a little bit of rust in there, but um, I'm, I'm a brown-haired boy. There you go. So what did you think of that logo, by the way? I, I, it was very I, good. He killed it. You kind of have to say that because it was free, so. No, it was, it was actually damn good. The only problem I have is that you were more front and center. So, I mean, you know. so So I will tell you why. And I argued with him back and forth like, dude, he's Eli Drake. There's no way. Uh, and by the way, he made me look like an angry 46-year-old Jewish woman. Like, I'm I'm telling people to stop. Wait, me. you're not? I'm, I know that was part of the war <laughs> doing the show with me. But no, I am not, despite what the Internet may think. But, you know, he put my frumpy body you know, front and center. He's like, well, Eli's in the back roasting you. And that's the whole premise of why you're up front is because he's back there roasting you. And then he also said it wouldn't look proportionate with you in the middle of the ring. I'm with it. I dig it. I think he killed it. All right. There we go. Let's knock some Q&A out because we have a ton of it. Uh, Mark wants to know, when you were on TV, when you are, when you're on a TV set with, uh, how do actors react to you being a pro wrestler? Uh, Well, for the most part, I I don't really talk about it and I'm not sure. Sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. I I would say if I'm a hundred percent honest, more often they don't. Um, So they don't, it's not really something that's that's that talked about but when it does come up and when uh, when it is discovered some way through conversation usually uh then all the questions come in and and they want to know everything and they're fascinated a big smile comes across the face and um you know they they want to know the ins and the outs of the business and how does this work and how's this work and it's it's a lot of that have you ever been recognized on set by somebody Man, I haven't been on set in a while, uh, so that would be very hard to do um, because as far as being on like an actual like legit TV or movie set, it's been probably since 2015, and that was the very beginning of my run in Impact, so probably not. All right. Brandon wants to know, you said you have not watched wrestling since 2003. What would it take to get you to watch wrestling again, even on a semi-regular basis? I I really don't know. Um oh, I don't I, <laughs> let, let, uh, let me start with, this. with that one. Oh, go ahead. Let me start with this. Would you take time out of your day to watch the very first AEW uh television show when it when it debuts? I think I'd be curious to see what their first show is gonna be like. Yeah, sure. Will I watch it end to end? I, I don't know. Um I, I I just don't have the appetite for wrestling that I used to. I, I, um, 
I like to do it. It's kind of like with football, actually. I don't watch a lot of football. I love to play it. If, uh, if I can go down to the beach and, and play like flag football or even hell, if somebody wanted to give me pads, I'd go out and play. Uh, but to sit and watch a game end to end is pretty unusual for me. I'm, I'm not one to like sit and watch things a lot. My girlfriend will tell you, I am the worst. If you ever ask like, Hey, have you seen this movie? Chances are the answer is no. Um, I, I, I've seen a very select amount of movies and television shows. And what I have seen, uh, half the time I just kind of, uh, I'll, I'll watch them again at some point because it's like, I know I like this. I can trust in this. Um, and as far as wrestling's concerned, there's nothing that's captivated me or compelled me to want to like sit and watch it over the last psh, damn 16 years. Uh, Brandon also had a follow-up question of, do you watch your own work back when it comes on TV? I watch it a lot less than I used to. I used to watch every single thing that I did, uh, probably for about the first 10 years I was in the business. And then probably over the last, I'd say last two or three years, I've kind of just, if I, if I catch it, I do. And if I don't, then forget it. But if I know that I killed something, like, especially like if I, if I cut a damn good promo or something, I'm going to go back and watch it because in that case, I'm going to kind of be like, all right, well, I did this right. I did this right. I could have done that better. Um, so there's a lot of kind of picking it apart, but at the same time, it's kind of like, I can see that and be like, uh, okay, it was as good as I thought it was, or I, it, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was, or uh, anything that I have an idea that, uh, maybe that was a little bit cringe. I probably won't go back and watch uh, or anything that just didn't like jump out at me, I probably won't bother going out back to watch. But uh, yeah, it, it kind of keeps me in the game to to watch my stuff and know where I am. Do you go back and listen to yourself on podcast, or would you even? Because Petey never went back and listened to himself on this podcast. He just thought he sounded stupid voice wise. Are you the kind of guy that's the same way, or will you go back and then dissect it like game tape? No, uh, I I have rarely listen back to the podcasts I've been on. Um, I think I might've listened to the first one or two that I did whenever, however long ago that was. Uh, and for the most part, it's just like, after I do them, they're done. And, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll let the, I'll let the people kind of review that and let me know what they thought. And, and other than that, I, I don't know. It's kind of like, I guess I lived it already. Do I need to go back and, and listen to it again? And it, it, I, I don't know. Emily wants to know who were the worst and best people to travel with. <laughs> I, I don't ha- I don't have a worst um, only because for the most part, uh, when I was in impact, I kept a pretty tight group, I guess. I mean, like I kept a bit like, OK, so in impact, I was known as party dad. I was the guy who set up the party bus every time we went to, I was the guy who got everybody together, made everybody sure everybody was coming. I got the money for everybody. I got everything set up. Um, so, I mean, I didn't keep a tight group in that sense, but as far as like the guys I traveled with stuff like that, it was always like me, Eddie Edwards, Moose, Trevor Lee, Matt Seidel. That was like, that was our click. And before that, when EC3 was there, uh, and DJ Z and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, <sighs> I mean, those were definitely the, the best guys to travel with. But for the most part, it's I always had my own room. Um, I almost never had to share a room. Actually, I will say this. Brian Cage might have been one of the worst guys, and only because he snores like a chainsaw. <laughs> I can see that with that body mass. There's no yeah. way that's, that's smooth sailing sleeping right there. 
I mean, fortunately, I can sleep through a lot, but but I do remember waking up to pee one time, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" The the weed whacker is going off right now. The, I mean, it was cr- it was ridiculous. The sounds coming out of this guy's mouth. Kenneth wants to know: Would you ever do a watch along podcast episode? And I don't know if you know what that is, and it's kind of the hot thing now where. You know, two guys will uh, will sink their TVs and be like, "All right, we're about to watch blank blank pay per view from nineteen whatever three two one hit play," and then we just talk over it. I'm not a huge fan. I'd rather do like small three to ten minute matches, not so much a pay per view, unless it, it was a lot easier when PD either booked it or helped produce it that you could get some inside talk. But as two fans, I'm not a huge fan of that. I, I mean, I, I could see doing that with uh, with a, one particular match, or maybe um, maybe a segment or something like that. But a whole three hour pay per view that sounds so long and arduous for anybody listening. The people doing it, uh, I, I don't think I'd be interested in that. But if it was like one match or one maybe hour long show or something like that, possibly. I'm I'm with you on that, and maybe one day down the road when we're struggling for content, we'll do something like that martin wants to know are you and dennis friends and i i can answer this one i think we have a potential friendship we're we're acquaintances i think that's the best way to put it you don't hate me but i don't know if you know me enough to like me in the same you know i'm a fan i mean i haven't been over for dinner or anything uh <laughs> i i i mean at, at this point it's a uh i'll call it a partnership professional relationship with uh with uh, acquaintance to friendly possibilities I, i'm kind of with you on that one now look would if the question was would dennis like eli to be his friend absolutely i, I <laughs> you know what kind of a fan i am i'm not like the crazy stocky kind of fan but it, I'm a fan. Even when you were on the podcast, I had nothing but glowing things to say. Plus, you're five times my size and body mass and strength. So <laughs> let's let's move on. Kenneth wants to know, who was the first wrestler you ever met as a fan? Uh, I, I never did meet any as a fan. Um, uh, I, the, the only wrestler I ever touched as a fan was Marty Jannetty. I was at... Uh, Ooh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Where, I forget where we were. I want to say it was probably Hershey Park Arena. Um, man, it might have been like a King of the Ring pay-per-view. So I remember it was Razor Ramon and Marty Jannetty were teaming up for a short little while. Um, and we caught them on the way out. and kind of Our seats weren't even by the entrance, but me and my friend just kind of like ran down to that section. And I remember like touching Marty Jannetty's forearm. And first of all, I, I just – I was only probably – 12 at the time and i remember just thinking how gigantic this guy was and really when you think about it in the grand scheme of things he wasn't that big of a guy but like to a 12 year old and here's this giantly muscular guy he was huge and he was also disgustingly sweaty which i don't know why i hadn't thought of that but i was 12 so you know i was an idiot um but yeah he was he was the only person that i really touched met whatever uh beyond that i didn't really start meeting any famous wrestlers until i was already in the business i, I was not really like I was very much like a mainstream fan for the most part. Like, like I, I watched it on TV. We'd go to the shows occasionally when they'd come to town, but we weren't like hanging around trying to get autograph. My, my dad wouldn't even have dealt with that nonsense. Uh, no matter how much I asked to stay or hang around and try to meet the wrestlers, my dad would be like, no, nah, we're going home. We got, we got to go home. Did you, did you kind of fanboy out like the first real guy you met when you were in the business or did you keep it cool? 
I, man, I I always for the most part keep it really cool, just because like even back then. Yeah, I, I mean, because you're talking like at that point, I was still like twenty, twenty one years old. Like at that point, I don't know. Like I I just had a. I think I've always got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder in a certain sense, but I mean, I, I guess at the same time, it's just kind of like, okay, so, so let's take it even when I, when I used to go to those shows with my dad, my grandfather, my friends, whatever, like we were probably the fans that I don't like. Uh, we were the fans that like, we didn't really get loud or, or anything like that. Like we kind of just watched the show. Uh, almost like we were at home. Like there was no like loud reactions. Or I think the only time that I was at a show and really kind of reacted like that, I think was uh, I want to say it was two thousand. It was two thousand. Um, I was in Pittsburgh, and we were at a SmackDown taping, and The Rock was doing the People's Elbow, and I was in like kind of the shooting area for getting the elbow pad. So that was really the only time I can remember really being that way. Uh, but for the most part, we just kind of were quiet and sat and watched the show. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's just something that's always been ingrained in me or what, but I just, I guess I never really made a big deal about stuff like that. Uh, like, I mean, I guess meeting the rock when we did the hero for the first time, I was kind of amped in a sense of like, okay, this is pretty cool. Um, and when I met Austin on the set of doing the, uh, what was that? What year was that? 2K16 commercial for uh, WWE games. That was kind of cool. Wow. Um, but at the same time, I wasn't like, I don't know. I wasn't like, hey, man, uh, I, I remember watching you on blah, blah, blah. I, I just, I just, I pretended like I was supposed to be there, basically. I just act, act like you're, act like you belong. But, but little Eli Drake in the inside was going nuts, right? You got to tell oh, me sure. that. Oh, okay. okay. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, because cause there's part of you who's like, man, this I wanted to be this guy when I was in 10th grade. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's some of that in there. But at the same time, again, act like you belong. All right. Let's see here. Miguel wants to know, now that you're signed with the NWA, how much of the history do you know? And have you gone back to do any study in – of the NWA. Actually, you know what? Here, if I can take it back to that question real quick, I will say that is one thing that like – see, see when, I, when I was brought in the business though too, they would always tell you like not to mark out. And they were very – see, I was brought up kind of like still in the periphery, maybe the last bastion of what existed of the old school still because they would tell us like if there were guys like that because my very first tour I ever did, I had only been training for three months, probably two months at this point. They let me go in and do a battle royal literally for 20 seconds. I was thrown out immediately. But on that tour, uh, touring with us was Hacksaw Jim Duggan and D'Lo Brown. And, you know, I'm I'm sitting there and listening to D'Lo stories and all this kind of stuff. But they were very specific about like, don't ask these guys for autographs. Don't ask for pictures. None of that. So that was kind of ingrained in me from the start in my wrestling career. So even now, like anytime I'm with any other wrestlers, like I don't usually ask for pictures. I don't ask for anything. Um, and that's kind of carried over too. Cause like if I see somebody out in public, I think the only exception I've ever had to that is when I was flying to Tokyo, Japan and I saw Horace Grant and I was like, I got to get a picture with Horace Grant. And that's, he was an NBA player. It's different. He's not in my business. I don't know. So it's just, it was slightly different, but even if I see another celebrity for the most part, I'm not going to go up and ask for a picture. Um, uh, I, so, I, I get what uh, you said. I mean there because doing, you know, MLB, NFL stuff. I'm in locker rooms all the time. I'm talking to guys. I've got, I, it blows my mind that there are guys that will text me and still ask me for fantasy football advice. And, <laughs> and 
you know, it's, you know, I've, I've talked to you offline. You know, some of the guys from Super Troopers and Beer Fest will, will occasionally send me texts. I'm like, what are you guys doing, you know, talking to me? It, and that was some of the reasons why PD would take me around the impact is he knew that, you know, I would, I had the professionalism not to go, Oh my God, Eli Drake, I know you have your headphones on and you're drinking your water and you're about to stretch for your match, but can you give me five minutes so I can just talk your ear off when you don't want to listen to me talk? And that was some of the reason why PD brought me along. Well, yeah. yeah. And I mean, you just kind of have to get used to being around it, I guess. Um, I, I, in a weird way, I guess there are certain times where I'm kind of like, ah, I'd be cool to have some of those pictures, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to bother people. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, although when I, when I reframe it myself, I've had plenty of wrestlers ask me and plenty of staff and stuff like that. When I've gone to shows asked to take pictures with me and it, it's not, it's, it's no sweat off my back. Um, I mean, obviously, unless somebody asks me in the middle of me doing something that I need to be doing right then that moment, then, you know, 99% of the time, it's not the case. So I don't know. It's just something that's been ingrained in me. So I just don't bother with it. I, I did almost ask you for a picture when we interviewed you that one time. And I, I, I wouldn't have said no. And, but I, I told myself no. And I'm like, no, you know, Pete standing there and the last thing you, you know, because I don't know what you just came back from or what you were about to do. And when you're backstage, you're at work. And the last thing you want to do when you're at work, when you're behind the curtain, when you're out there talking to fans and, and selling merch and stuff, that's different. But when you're back in the curtain, you're, you're business, Eli. You're not, you know, fan friendly, Eli. I, I mean, it, it's not really that much different, except it's just that th- those days are so long. It's very easy to just kind of uh, go into yourself, I guess. Uh, and at the same time, it's like I'm I'm very much you now this depends on my moods for the most part. But unless I'm really exuberant for some reason, maybe I just came back from the gym and the endorphins are coming, then I might be talking a little bit. But otherwise, I stay very much to myself. Uh, I, I don't usually talk to people unless I'm talked to. Um, so. That's where the, the headphones will come in. And sometimes the headphones are just motivation. Cause it's like whatever music's playing in there has just got me feeling something. Um, eh, there's that or eh, I don't know. It's just like I said, those days are long. So it's kind of like just just get somewhere and just hang out. And if that means sitting by myself, then that's what I'm going to do. And by the way, just because I know you don't really care too much, uh, are, you made the the first wrestlers I ever met was in Atlanta, Georgia, center stage where they used to do the old WCW uh, tapings. And I met Lex Luger and Sting and like as they were walking in. And I mean, as, as a nerdy wrestling kid, that was like the height of whoever I got to meet. And it's still one of those things where... I, I've talked to Lex Luger a couple times through doing the podcast and, you know, him asking me if I found God, of course. No. Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah, of, of course. That's all. But but it's still one of those things where you go full circle where, sure, I, I, I know him on the way down, but holy cow, Lex Luger, you know, icon in wrestling. Absolutely. If I was eight years old or whatever and I was – I met Lex Luger's sting. I'd have lost my mind. Um, you know, my dad would have probably calmed me down real quick, but <laughs> I'm making my dad sound like he's authoritarian. He really wasn't. He just wasn't like, he just wasn't up for a lot of nonsense. So it was like, you know, if I was going crazy, he'd be like, what, what's wrong with you? Brett wants to know, by the way, when did you first realize wrestling was fake or er, I mean scripted? 
Uh, man, my brothers tried to break that to me. Um, I don't, man, I, I don't, I can't remember how old I was, but it was probably around the same time that they were trying to tell me the Ninja Turtles weren't real either. Uh, and I was pretty angry about all those things because I would not believe it. I refused to believe it. Uh, to me, the Ninja Turtles were real. He-Man was real. Hulk Hogan was real. All those things were real. Um, for me, it was, uh, do you remember when the earthquake did his, uh, finishing move like three times on Hulk Hogan? Oh yeah. That was, that was a man. That was a big time. I I tell you what, go go ahead. Say what you're going to say. I I remember it like still like it was yesterday because they squish them and a few minutes go by and the end of the show's going and they do this quiet pan out of like yep. a neatly folded Hulk Hogan shirt in front of these lockers. And they're like, he may never wrestle again. And I'm, I got tears in my eyes, like, no, Hulk Hogan, don't. And my dad just kind of looks over and goes, it's fake. Stop crying. And I'm like, what? Uh, I know, right? It's like ruining the magic here. It was amazing. What about you? Well, I, I mean, definitely by that point, I was still, I think, subscribing to the realness of it. Um, and, you know, I have to feel like my brothers had to have told me uh, even before The Undertaker was around that it wasn't real. But I remember Tuesday in Texas, um, the rematch for The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan. Uh, I remember watching it at my grandfather's house. My grandfather got the pay-per-view. It was just me, my dad, my grandfather. And I remember being so nervous just before that match that I had to go to the bathroom. Like I, I, I had the most upset stomach for being so nervous for Hulk Hogan before that match. Um, so I don't know if it was just that, you know, my brothers told me, I heard it kind of figured, ah, they might have a point, but at the same time I was like, I don't care. This is real to me. This is real to me, damn it. <laughs> and uh, so, I, so I don't know. I mean, I think I just allowed myself to suspend my disbelief still through all that time, even, even while knowing or maybe eventually organically gaining that perspective that, yeah, it's, it's not real, but I'm enjoying what I'm watching, so I'm suspending my disbelief. Mm. Patrick wants to know, who trained you and what was your first day of training like? Uh, well, I was trained by Les Thatcher a bit, but it was more so hands-on with Cody Hawk, uh, same guy who trained uh, John Moxley, Sammy Callahan, um, trying to think of who else might be out there that he had his hands on, I'm not sure, but um, uh, the first day of training, I don't quite remember, uh, but I was not well-liked. I know that. Uh, and the reason was, and this was described to me much later, was just because I, like I said, I, I don't, I'm the type that speaks when spoken to for the most part. Um, and the first night that I went in to watch a training session, it was all trainees. And so they all came up to me and shook my hand and introduced themselves. And I'm usually not the type, I'm not, This might surprise a lot of people, but depending on the scenario, I'm not always very outgoing. I can be. Depends on who I'm with, if I'm comfortable in the scenario, all that. So I get in the scenario, here come all these trainees coming up and introducing themselves to me. And one of the girls is very specific to tell me, like, you want to make sure that whenever you come in here, you shake everybody's hand and introduce yourself. And I said, okay, cool. So 
I think the next night they were having a show and the next night was the actual guys who were ready for the show plus all the trainees, but it was a bunch of guys who I'd never met who were on the show. And so here I come in, all the trainees who had said hello to me the night before again, come up and say hello to me. None of the wrestlers, none of the active wrestlers came up and said hello to me whatsoever. So I had to kind of force myself to go and say hello to most of them. I think I might have missed a couple. Don't know why, but I I think I did. And for the most part, then I just went off into a corner and just kind of stayed by myself and watched the show. So I had massive heat because who's this guy who comes in here and he's not talking to anybody? Well, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I don't want to bother anybody. But in their mind, they're thinking, well, look at this asshole not talking to anybody. And... Later on, I remember one of the guys was telling me that part of the reason was also because I had a uh, because I had a good look, so to speak. So people were thinking I could possibly take their spots, uh, and because I walked a certain way or carried myself a certain way. But then, say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply didn't talk to anybody and i'm like well i just don't want to bother anybody that's it um so it it was a whole thing there to where it was like nobody really like took anything out on me or took advantage of me or anything in training i think that part of that was just i don't know if it was caution just in the sense of uh, i'm really not sure because i did see some of the guys actually get the piss beat out of them on a, on a couple occasions. Not, not that too bad, but just the point where, like, you know, they'd rough them up a little bit. Um, and for the most part, nobody really did that to me. Uh, but I think they also noticed that I was picking up things pretty quickly. Um, but I, I don't recall exactly the first day. But I do recall just those first couple weeks was just constant headache. My head hurt for weeks. And it was just because of taking bumps because it's so jarring taking a bump for the first time your body's not used to your body's not supposed to be doing that uh and you know of course you have to tuck your chin and take the bump but like even so you're just jarring your spine all the way up to your neck and so it was just like advil and aspirin and whatever like for the next you know two three weeks until i got used to it because i mean we were training probably three nights a week um so it, it, it was it was uh it was good, solid training. It was old school training. Um, but I, I don't remember exactly the first night. I just remember those first couple of weeks being a lot of uh, headache medicine. You know, I want to go back to what you were saying about uh, introducing yourself. And one of my pet peeves, and I would say a veteran of real life, which is way different than being backstage at a wrestling show. If people don't know this, you, you have to shake everybody's hand. 
So, like, I'll walk in with PD, and every single person walks up to me, whether they know who I am or not, and give me the worst limped handshake. Like, the first time they're giving me these, like, <laughs> soft limped handshakes, I'm like, Pete, why won't anybody give me a real one? He's like, eh, that's the wrestler's handshake. They do that to show that they're not going to be rough with you. I'm like, this is all kind of bullshit. First of all, <laughs> and, and look, the, once again, I don't know the history and why everybody does this, but I think it's BS. You know, if a top guy comes in and he wants to introduce himself to everybody, let him do it. Don't everybody rush up to him and shake his hand because it's his fifth show of the week and he probably doesn't want to have to shake all these people's hand or even pretend to realize, remember who half these guys are because this might be his third show, but you've met a million people and all the faces start to blend together. It even happened to me as a tag along and the limped wristed handshake Eli this this has to stop in the wrestling industry if there's one thing look cricket promoters be damned but this handshake needs to stop well I, I I don't think okay so so here's the thing I think that the demand for the handshake maybe needs to stop I I, I so like there's so much heat if you don't go shake everybody's hand. It's it's kind of silly. I, I get it in a way because the, the old school mentality is you, you're shaking this guy's hand. You're kind of basically saying like you can trust me to you know whatever. I'm going to take care of you. Whatever. Um, Send them an email. The same, what's that? Send them an email then. Yeah. Right. At the same time. Um, when you go to like a TV taping, let's look at an impact or something like that. You're looking at you know, 40, 50 plus people. So now you're having to give out 40, 50 plus. Hey, nice to see you. How you been shaking all these hands? And it, well, here's the funny thing. Here's a little nuances with the handshakes. Um, usually for the most part, you give them light. You kind of work the handshake in a sense. Although if a guy gives it too light or he only gives you two fingers, then it's like he's kind of telling you you got heat with him or something. Then there's some guys who will just squeeze the hell out of your hand. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You, you've been around a while. You know the deal. Are you trying to F with me right now. What's the deal? Um, so here's when I was at the performance center, it was awful. Uh, awful in the sense of like, there's probably 80 plus people in the building and now I've got to go shake 80 people's hands every single damn day. Um, I, I think at least some of the guys have, have eased up on that to where it's like, you know, it, 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 you can at least just wave high or something like, I mean, but, but, you know, then you do that with some people and you got heat now because you didn't go up and talk to them. It's really kind of stupid and antiquated in a, in a way. I get the sentiment. It makes sense to a degree, but to have heat for it, if you don't go around to 80 out of 80 people, it's a bit much. Uh, but regardless, here's a, here's another thing that's really tough, especially on these indie shows and sometimes even on the, the bigger mainstream shows too, but especially on the indie shows, I can't tell the difference half the time who's a wrestler, who's a fan and who's just a hang around. Like, I, I, so am I supposed to shake everybody? Am I supposed to shake the fans hands and every, like, there's just so many people who, and, and it, it's tough to tell who's who half the time because, some of the wrestlers look like the fans, if I'm quite frank. <laughs> so so, so it can mean. be a little confusing. And then, you know, when there are so many people around, you don't know who you've missed and who you've gotten. Fortunately, being in a more elevated position, I guess, just, you know, from being on TV for a little bit, most of the people come to me. So it makes it a hell of a lot easier. 
Um, but you know, but if I was to go into WWE now, I got to keep track of like shit. Did I say hello to this guy? Did I see this guy? Oh man, I uh, make sure I say hi to this guy. It, it can be a little, it can be a little stressful. Would you, and this is me kind of going off one of these questions or one of your answers, would you call yourself a locker room leader and, and going into somewhere like the NWA? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, yes, but no. Um, uh, go ahead and continue the rest of your question, but I, I'll elaborate on that in a minute. Do you do you want to be one with a fresh start at NWA, or are you kind of happy just being Eli and continuing what you've done? Well, I, I think coming into NWA, I'm I'm kind of the I'm kind of the the rookie or the new guy in a certain sense. Even if I'm a, a vet in the business, it's just kind of like it's not really my team or my playbook yet. So at this point, to go in and make myself a locker room leader, I feel like it would be a little bit of crowbarring. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't know that I would consider myself a locker room leader i mean sometimes i've been on you know hey let's make sure everybody cleans up or something like that but for the most part i also don't want to feel like i'm trying to be somebody's dad uh but i will say that i I do remember um when the Jarrett regime first came in at impact and uh that whole thing with make impact great again and basically cutting all the promos where it sounded like, you know, the, the talent was, that was there currently was garbage. I, I did start to look around see some of the faces looking at the monitor, like, what is this really happening right now? And, and that's when I went and talked to, to Jeff. And there's articles out about this where, you know, I, I confronted him backstage. So I'm like, what, what, are we, what are we telling the people right now? Because, like, if I'm, if I'm not worth anything, then why am I even going out there and busting my ass in the ring? I might as well just lay down. And, and go somewhere else. Because if you're telling everybody that we need to make this place great again, that the talent used to be great and the talent now is garbage, I have no purpose in being here. Uh, and, you know, we, we ended up hashing it out. And oddly enough, two months later, I was a damn world champ. <laughs> so, so I don't know if I garnered some level of respect for stepping up like that or what. But um, I, I, I don't know if I'd consider that locker room leader. But I think in that moment, I was at least a voice for a lot of the people who I could see the looks on their face and the way that they were reading the situation. Um, uh, but, but I still don't think that I would come out and call myself locker room leader. Wow. We, we still have a ton. I'll do one more question and then we'll get on. Cause we're darn near to the end of this podcast. If 2019 wrestling TV ratings war had a finish line, how would MLW, NWA, WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor, and Impact finish? I guess I guess he's saying if it was a race, you know, and there was a finish line, how would they finish ratings wise? And I guess, I, uh, I, holy God, I have no idea. I mean, bottom line is WWE is always going to be on top. And the reason for that is because they're now going to be on Fox. Fox is a more accessible channel than any other company is on. And there's not really anything you can do about that. They're going to be the ratings winner regardless, uh, unless somehow some miraculous stroke of, I don't even know what Fox, unless Fox goes out of business, <laughs> they're going to be the number one show. Um, other than that, I don't know because none of the other none of the other shows really have a viable TV outlet at this point. Um, AEW hasn't been on yet. Impact has changed their their TV carrier about three or four times in just the last couple of years. Uh, Ring of Honor 
uh, from what I hear anyway, is kind of, I know they're on Sinclair, but like I've asked my dad before, if he watches it, he said, sometimes it's on one channel, sometimes it's on another. Um, so nobody really has anything solid yet. Now, obviously AEW will come October. Um, so I think that that makes AEW an easy second place at this point, but then that also depends on now what's, what's NWA doing with their TV. What's uh, MLW eventually going to do with their TV. I don't even know where you find MLW TV. Um, so I, I, I think that you've got WWE, you've got AEW and then, uh, as things progress with the others, we'll figure it out. Uh, and, and I know you wanted to talk about this anyway, but you got impact and, and the access deal. It's, a hell of a lot better than pursuit. I'll tell you that, but I don't know that access is still a giant blip on the map. Um, so it's pretty easy to see that it's WWE top. Nobody's going to touch them, especially now with Fox. And then you got AEW, you know, and and we'll talk about this here in a second after the blue chew ad. So I won't jump too much into it, but I think you nailed it right on the head is WWE, AEW, and I think there'll be some times where AEW may jump WWE just because it's the fresh, new, hipper wrestling and everybody loves it, and, and I get it. But I don't think so. I, I, no? I think they might jump NXT, but they're not gonna, I don't think they're going to do better than Raw or SmackDown only because they're on Fox, and Fox is... like Even if you take the people who are actually going to actively go and watch it, there are people who are just asleep at the wheel just with Fox just on their TV because it's just so accessible. All right. All right. I'm going to put a pin in that one because I think that's a good conversation for later. But let me tell you something, Eli. It's Blue Chew time. If you go to BlueChew.com, use the promo code PERSPECTIVE. It's always Blue Chew time. It is. You use Blue Chew, you will make your spouse happy. And if you're a spouse, and let's be honest, your husband, boyfriend, your significant other, maybe even the guy you're cheating on your husband with doesn't quite get it done, but you'd like to hang around with them. Give them I a- tell you what, even if you're a single guy and you use some Blue Chew, you might get yourself a good uh, viable bullpen there. I'm just going to let you know. As a longtime single guy, let me just talk. Go ahead. No, no. I'm, hey, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we were to do a a police lineup with you and I and a room full of women and they would go, who would you most want to hear talk about Blue Chew? It's not going to be me. Well, I mean, I'm just saying I've, I've got a lot of stories and I'm sure that Blue Chew would have probably enhanced a lot of those stories. That's that's selling it enough right there. I mean, <laughs> you you Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan sold that right there. Oh, boy. <laughs> but go to BlueChew.com. Use the promo code PERSPECTIVE. Keep Eli and me you know, happy. My kid, listen, if you don't do this, my kid is forced to go to a community college. You don't want that, do you? You, you want my kid to go to a prestigious college. You want my, my table to be bountiful. You want Eli. I mean, Eli, think about your life without the BlueChew money. <laughs> Oh, boy. <laughs> Cable bill may not get paid, I guess. I oh, don't know. I'm, I'm rich now. <laughs> yeah. That's, blue, hey, that's, blue Chew money is life-changing money, Eli. <laughs> all right. All right. You, you don't sold that one. Anyways, go to BlueChew.com. Use a promo code PERSPECTIVE. It's made with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know it works. You can get it online, so no awkward doctor's visits like this promo. It's It's... 
outdone. You don't even have to worry about that. It's made in America, so it's cheaper, and you know it works. That's most importantly sent in a discreet package, which will be the cease and desist. He licensed me after this podcast. So <laughs> make sure you go get Blue Chew. You keep the show going. It's 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 awesome. And, you know, you go from curtain jerker to main eventer. You get the job done and no more record times. No more, you know, clash of the champions. It's it's, you know, what was what clash of champions was that where was it Lex Luger rolled somebody up for like a three count record time? Anyways, I'm meandering here. Uh, Just go to Bluetooth, use that promo code, order it, be happy, make us happy. Let's move on to the big news of the week, Eli, finally, huh? Got out of that one without having to get fired. So so as everybody knows, uh, Anthem, who owns Impact, has bought access. We're not going to jump too much into it, but it sounds like after Bound for Glory, they'll make the switch over the TV network. Now, the more interesting thing out of this now comes a rumor, Eli, that Impact or Anthem is in talks to buy Ring of Honor. Now, I don't think it's a good move, personally. I And look, you know I love Impact. I, don't, I wouldn't call myself a sycophant, but I've got friends there. I'm a supporter. Uh, they're your ex-girlfriend. I get it. But in the grand scheme of things, Ring of Honor, I've always kind of put Ring of Honor a little bit ahead of Impact as, as far as prestige and, and history-wise. I'd, I'd hate to see them get swallowed up by Impact, whether Impact does something good with them or not. But, man, I, I hate to see that. See, I, I don't know anything about this. I didn't even know that was on the table. Uh, but uh, I don't know what they would gain from doing that other than now that they could brand themselves as ring of honor. And maybe that would, uh, maybe that would be uh, less of a black eye than impact because obviously, you know, impacts, uh, ghosts of the past are still, you know, kind of haunting it. Um, although at this time I also feel like impacts kind of done a decent job of completely changing, uh, their brand. Um, cause I, I don't even feel like they're, they're recognizable as the same, as the same brand or same company. Uh, but other than that, I, I can't really see the benefit, I guess. Um, I think part of it is, uh, they would be able to own the television library of, of ring of honor from 2009 to 2011. I think Sinclair owns the library for the other years and, after seeing what WWE has done with WCW and WA, Sinclair isn't going to just let it go like that. But still to own a little bit of that library from 2009 to 2011 for Impact that you could throw it on the Impact Plus app and still brand it, I think that'd be huge, right? Maybe. I, I mean, I, I don't know how the Impact, Impact Plus app is doing, but my, my consideration there is I'm almost thinking, like, are they thinking further into the future that now they have more bargaining for WWE if they ever decide to sell their own library? Boy, that would be that'd be interesting, you know, to be able to. And I think Ring of Honor has some of the best pay-per-view names, and you would be able to use those. You'd own that library. I don't know if you would purchase the contracts of everybody under contract with Ring of Honor at this time or if it would be a almost kind of a WCW kind of feel where they can sit out until their contract's done. There's a lot of questions to be had there. 
Why is is Ring of Honor up for sale? I didn't even know. Well, or is this kind of a, a Trump Greenland thing? Uh, the, no, you know it's it's a rumor with legs that they that and I, they probably reached out and that's how the rumor got started. Or they're really hot. So I'm guessing Trump Greenland. You know, forty percent here would be fair. The rest, you know, but even then, I think it's still big enough where you have to kind of go, boy. How how different would Eli Drake's life be if instead of NWE, NWA, he signed with Ring of Honor and then this happened? Right. Uh, <laughs> and and honestly, that almost happened because uh, they, they reached out to me just before I went to the NWA. That would be very, very interesting. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's really kind of interesting, though, how uh, – I, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere that's probably not going to make some people happy. Um, and, and I'm not saying this to, to knock the company or anything, but like if you've got the money to buy a whole other, uh, a whole other wrestling company, uh, maybe start paying the talent a little more um, because I, I was one of the only guys getting paid decent money. It was, it was like – me and maybe two or three other guys. And as far as I know, a lot of the other people are making like three or $400 a day taping. Um, and that's not good money. And that's, you know, that was, that was the reason why I guess Scarlett wanted out. And I'm guessing why cross wanted out. I, I, I don't know their exact deals, but with that in mind, uh, I, I, I would think like, okay, well, if you can't afford to pay everybody like a great, great salary, maybe cut the fat, narrow it down, pay everybody a decent salary and, and work with what you got. I, I'm not, I, I feel like keeping your talent happy and keeping them wanting to stay there is probably more important than trying to buy another company at this moment. But that's just my opinion. You know, I, I can't speak on the money thing because I don't know what people are making. And then I would just sound like one of these uneducated fans, but I, I don't really know either, but I, I'm going off of what I've been told by the talent that I've, spoken to that i've heard what their offers were whether they accepted them or turned them down um and and honestly i don't understand why if they are taking this money why they would even put pen to paper because most of these people can make more money on the indies than they're getting for a day of tapings and and they're not having a side of paper to do it um so if that's the case and I, i this is all alleged i don't know if this is true or not but if that's the case and they're only getting paid that little i really think that money would be better spent uh on the talent than buying another company I, that's I, just my opinion i agree because one of the ma- major thoughts here as we wrap this up i know we're getting close to the end of of buying this and the fans think oh this is going to be game changing for impact being on a 150 million household plus but uh, look, in I like Impact. I, ha, I I don't have a bad word to say about them. They grant me all this access. I, I but as a fan, and I can almost call myself an analyst here. I step back and look and think you're buying a a channel that's majorly music here. That's what it's made its name off of. Outside of Mark Cuban, they have New Japan on it, sure, but it it plays all different times and on the weekends and Wow as well. I don't think moving to access or helps impact grow or get into more households. I think that comes down to marketing. It comes down to the content you put out, which it's been very good. So no one can knock the content, but I don't think the move to the channel is the magic bullet here to make impact 
grow from, you know, maybe the middle of the rest of the organizations to, you know, number three behind AEW? Well, no, I, 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 uh, it's definitely better than pursuit. It's, it's, I would say it's a huge step from pursuit because you're looking at maybe 10,000 viewers a week and a channel that a lot of people don't get. I do think access is a little bit more, dare I say, accessible. Uh, although at the same time, if, if you look at the comparison, what'd you say? 150 million homes. That that's the rumor. I'm looking at stats right now for pop pop TV was available in about 120 million homes and they weren't doing a uh, barn burning number on there. Um, so uh, just in that sense, I don't know that it's going to be a huge difference from pop, but anything is an improvement for uh, from from pursuit. Uh, because I don't think that was a good fit for them. If you look at all their surroundings, all their lead-ins, everything that it was all hunting and fishing and then randomly a wrestling show out of nowhere. Um, so I think it's great for them to get into a more uh, viewable and accessible TV network. At the same time, I don't think it's going to be, I, I think it's kind of, uh, taking a step back to where they were when they were on pop. I don't think that it's some giant leap, uh, but definitely an improvement and probably something that everybody's happy about. I, I always said if if Pursuit was smart, they'd at least either buy the rights or rent the rights as reruns of, you know, Shawn Michaels had a hunting show and Eric Young had a fishing show. And you, you book and impact between those two shows. If you had all that kind of money, then you can do that where, yeah, sure, it's a hunting show, but it's, you know, Shawn Michaels. You have your WWE star doing a a lead-in for Impact. And then on the outro, you may be able to keep some people by having an Impact legend of Eric Young fishing show. That's not a bad idea, but I, I don't know that Pursuit is destination viewing, so no. I'm just not sure that it would, uh, on an investment side, I'm not sure that that would do a lot for them. And, and, Novel idea. And finally, if you're moving to Access, I think Impact would be smart to rebrand themselves Ring of Honor or do a Hopefully, if you can retain some of the Ring of Honor talent or most of it, you do some sort of invasion angle and you do it right. Because I think what every wrestling fan that that was alive during the WCW WWE invasion angle, they want to see it done. They want to see it done right. And people would tune in to see that, I think. Yeah, I mean, that, man, that was so unfortunate how that went down in 2001. They, there was so much potential there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess that that's uh that's something that could definitely be good at the same time. You got to consider that nothing like that would happen very quickly. So I think that would be a few months off if it was to happen. And you got to consider a couple of their top guys might not be there by then. Uh, talking about, uh, who are we talking about? Flip and uh, probably half of the damn uh, villain enterprises. Yep. Um, flip. So I, I mean, I mean, you still have, you know, bunch of other great guys on the roster so i mean hell you bring in the briscoes and stuff like those guys are intense as hell so uh it could be really good all right where can people find you let's wrap this up send them home i don't know where i i'm trying to find myself right now uh i am on instagram and twitter at the eli drake uh you can buy my beautiful wonderful t-shirts on pro slash eli drake and you will find me in atlanta actually you'll find me next week in north carolina uh what i where am i gonna be hold on don't go anywhere Yes, Atlanta you got, and the Can you play the, play the Jeopardy music real quick? I'll, uh, very good. 
Very good. Okay. Go ahead. I will be at Masters of the Ring in Kenansville, if I'm saying that correctly. Kenansville, North Carolina. Next week, I will be facing Ken Anderson one-on-one. Oh, I um, That's going to be September 21st, actually. Did I say next week? Is that next week? I don't even know. It's What's the date? It's like next weekend. How about that? So, so, uh, And then the weekend after that, don't forget, I'm going to be in Atlanta, everybody, ATL, doing the Dirty Bird with the Falcons down there because uh, we will be doing our TV tapings with the NWA, with Billy Corgan, with David Lagana, with Nick Aldis, with everybody's going to be down there, James Storm, and just added Jim Cornette as a color commentator. Very controversial decision, everybody. I looked on Twitter today. People were happy. People were angry. But you can't do NWA without Jim Cornette, whether you like him or hate him. I mean, I agree with that. He, he is NWA. There we go. Uh, don't forget WrestlingPerspectivePodcast.com. Go there, rate, subscribe. Make sure you follow us. Tell a friend. That's how we grow. Uh, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at Dennis77Farrell, F-A-R-R-E-L-L. Not F-E. We don't like the F-E's. That's like Will Farrell. We don't do that. A wrestling Perspective on Facebook. Eli, see you next week. I guess we'll see you next week. All right. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.